You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 310, brought to you by Audible. Visit audible.com slash NGP for your free audiobook download, graphically, and iFanboy listeners like you. It's been a long time since I've seen your smiling face. It's been a long time since I've seen a sunny day. iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 310. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello. And Connor Kilpatrick. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Dun, 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 dun. Good morning. Good. Do, I do the whole thing. <laughs> At iFanboy.com, we talk about comics. We're going to do a song from Singing in the Rain uh, every week. Well, I was every, in the Beatles. Every week. Yeah, I know, but we're going to do a song from Singing in the Rain. Oh, okay. I just I just pictured you as... Uh, Gene Kelly? Now the other guy, Donald something. What was his name? Doesn't matter. Uh, I feel more like, but like later we'll sing. That's my point. <laughs> is, that, is that cool? That's cool with both of you guys, right? Sure. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Awesome. Something's always good coming from the end zone. At iFanboy.com, we like comics and we read comics. Every week we read a bunch. It's a callback. Read a bunch of comics and then one of us picks the best one and writes about it on the website and then we talk about it on the podcast and usually it's written by Rick Remender, Jason Aaron, or uh, Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder. That's basically... <laughs> That's the. I'm telling you though. Ever since those guys got a lot of work, the royalty checks have really picked up, and that's helping them out, is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, and we talk about some other stuff before we get started. We're going to talk about what happens in the books from the comics this week, uh, and uh, so those are spoilers. And if you don't want to know those, then come back after you've listened, and you'll uh, you'll find it you'll find it a much more pleasant time, is what I'm saying. Ron, you had the pick this week, and you chose one of those four guys. Yes. Um. Uh, big big ups to Rick Remender for two weeks in a row securing the pick of the week. Uh, uh, it didn't even occur to me, by the way, when yeah. I saw it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So last week we talked about Fury Agent number 32, and this week um, Uncanny X-Force number 17, with, written by Rick Remender, with art by Jerome Pena and colors by Dean White, uh, got my pick of the week. Um, and it was funny because uh, as I sat down to write the pick of the week, I went you know, I went back and I was like, all right, well, these are the things we weigh. I have to weigh when I'm doing the pick of the week. I'm like, well, how? I, I'm like, I must have picked up X-Force a million times already this past year. And I looked and I realized it hasn't been pick of the week since issue number one a year ago. Yeah, um, we talk about it so much, but we, we we don't actually pick it. Well, yeah, well, we talk about it so much for and, and it hasn't been picked for uh, various reasons. One is the fact that eighteen issues have come out in a year. Yeah, which is a feat in in shipping on time and like I, I remember's got to be killing himself to get you know like the, this is and and then one of the reasons also why we probably didn't pick it is that and we talked about this before is that the one complaint on it is with those eighteen issues has been some. Not so great art, or at least not as good art as Jerome Pena and Isad Ribic and some of the other folks that came on. Um, but throughout this whole year, it has been a solid, solid comic book to the point where I believe it is the best ongoing at Marvel Comics right now. Um, and part of that is because what Remender is doing is really like I, I, I joked about it in the in the uh, pick of the week review on iFanboy.com. I, like he, it's like he made a deal with the devil or something. I don't know how he's pulling this off because. It, what I'm I'm try, I'm reading this book as a tried and true twenty year plus X Men veteran, and there is so much um, layered 
uh, detail and callback and references to the past and all this sort of stuff that has got my kind of fanboy, you know, kind of excitement going. And like, for example, um, so uh, in the, this is the second to last chapter of the Dark Angel saga. Uh, Warren Worthington, Angel, has become Archangel, and he's kind of taken a, taken the mantle from Apocalypse, and he's trying to remake the world in Apocalypse's vision. And X Force, Wolverine, Phantom X, Deadpool, Psylocke are trying to take him down. And at this juncture in the story, he has converted Psylocke to his side, and she is in a suit of armor that she was in in maybe two issues back in Jim Lee's run. But just the subtle saying, hey, let's bring back that suit of armor that she used is enough to get me as an X-Men fan go, oh, awesome. But you as a non-X-Men reader don't need to know that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't take away from the story. Exactly. And, yeah, and, and that's the real trick that he's doing is that he's, he's folding in that stuff that makes the X-Men fan get really excited, but at the same time making it completely accessible to someone who's never read the X-Men. Um, if you picked up this story arc and read this, you would understand that – Angel was a good guy, and now he's a bad guy. He's trying to do something very bad, and his teammates are trying to stop him. That's all you need to know, and it is so distilled down, um, and it's so tight and perfectly executed that it really it just blows me away. Um, also, and when I talk about that word tight, he's in mere panels. In like the, so the, the issue opens up with a flashback, a three-panel flashback of Angel and Professor Xavier back in the original days of the X-Men, and Angel's kind of complaining about his powers, um, saying, you know, and Xavier admits, he goes, you know, I confess that wings aren't the most impressive muta- mutation I've encounter- encountered. And you get the sense of this inadequacy that the angels always felt. And that, those three panels immediately give you the motivation for what he's doing right now. I love the, uh, I don't, I don't like carrying the bazooka. Yeah, that, that was great. <laughs> you see, <laughs> um, you know, and then, uh, and then you turn the page and you, you're reminded that Wolverine is in the process of fighting, uh, Iceman from Age Apocalypse, who has, one thing about Iceman that a lot of people have t- talked about over the past 10 years or so is that he's got such great power, but he doesn't know how to use it. And in, in that, you've got Wolverine kind of narrating as he's fighting Iceman saying, you know, I've always pushed him to unlock his potential. Unfortunately, it was the wrong Bobby Drake to figure it out. And you get a sense of, and it, that ties into the Wolverine-Iceman dynamic that Jason Aaron's doing over in Wolverine and X-Men. And it, it, but that's just in, in two panels. It, it, like, it's amazing how distilled down and how um, the economy of storytelling that Remender and Opania put into this. Um, and then, all in all, this issue just knocked me on my ass. It was just awesome. It was, at, on one hand, completely action-packed. The fight against Apocalypse, or the fight against Archangel and trying to avoid Apocalypse vision to come true. The, the cavalry moment where all the Age of Apocalypse characters return, and Nightcrawler, and Sunfire, and Sabretooth, and Jean Grey, and they kind of return to, to help the fight, and you think... You thought Phantom X said turn tail and ran like a coward, like the French coward that he think that he might either, be. <laughs> but um uh no, but he came back he brought back he brought back uh you know, reinforcements and the fight is on. And then, you know, in in the process of trying to unlock Psylocke from Apocalypse from Archangel's control, we get a flashback to Warren Worthington and Elizabeth uh, Braddock Psylocke's first meeting at the Hellfire Club years ago, giving more nuance to their relationship. Um, and then it just it ends on a it ends on an awesome cliffhanger of you know Phantom X and Psylocke waiting to fight Archangel and 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 an amazing last page because Jerome Opeña like we said about Francis Manipal and uh, with the Flash if Jerome Opeña could draw all the comics I'd be happy because he's outdoing himself with every issue that comes out. How can um, they both sp- draw all the comics? Well, they can split it. They can split them. That's why they can do them. Yeah. Um, What's interesting about this this arc is around chapter seven, it's going to go eight issues. It, it's been, for the most part, hovering on the edge of being slightly too long yep. the whole time. But 
every time I think that, then I read an issue and go, it's fine. Yeah. Ex- I mean, it's it's action-packed. It's exciting. Remender's juggling lots of things. And as Ron, as you said, I'm not a huge. I'm not as big an X Men fan as you are. I don't know half the references, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. You just have to. The story's exciting. You know, these guys are trapped in another dimension where there's evil versions of of people they know and love, and they're fighting them, and they have to get home. That's really all you need to know. And Opeña is ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's almost not even fair. Right. To, and, and compared to Dean White, the flashbacks have this sort of washed out sepia tone to them. Um, it's a very muted color palette across the board, and it's it's wonderful to look at. Yeah. It's it's just it's really amazing, and it's like and the great thing is like the flashback sequences are filled with so many little nods and touches, but again, you don't need to get them. Like you you could no, yeah not integral. They're nice bonus, but they're not integral right. to the story. Remender, I think you mentioned in the review. Maybe I'm crazy, but that Remender's on found something with it, with this book. He's on another level. He, where's yep. this Remender in other books? He's you know like he Fear Agent. He he had that with Fear Agent. I didn't love Venom so much. There's been other books that have been fun, but not great. This, for, for whatever reason, he's tied into this book and these characters from, from and the get-go. Like, and it's, it's like it's, it's, there's, a, there's a spark in this book that's not, not his other books. It's almost like he's trying to prove something. I've, it's like it's it's. I mean, the 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 and, and we talked about. It. We interviewed him on the video show at WonderCon. He talked about how he with this particular book he was cutting out. He's cutting excess. I, do I need that? Do I need? It? Does it help the story? Staying focused, and it just comes across. In and this is such a tight focused. You know the pacing is there, the 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 drama and the action balance, and like you you, you know sometimes it gets very like like the flashback with with uh, Psylocke at the Hellfire Club is you know very dialogue heavy, but it it serves a purpose and it every everything is in its place and everything is perfect and if if this was Remenda Remenda Opeña on a straight run this might be one of the greatest runs of all time Remenda Remenda Remendo. Um, but um, but the fact that they put out eight, you know eight, this is issue seventeen there was a point one issue in there so it's eighteen issues in a year um, a, a, that have been a solid story all moving forward to this you know to this point from day one is just it's remarkable it's absolutely remarkable so, it is uh, one of the best I don't know if it's the best but it's in the, it's it's definitely up there it's the best one of the best Marvel books yeah it's in the, it's in the top five at least and, oh that, oh absolutely yeah yes. and and again and I'm not gonna you know even as much as we love Wolverine the X Men and all stuff like that. For the uninitiated, if you need, if you want to read one good X Men book, it's Uncanny X Force. It's like hands down fantastic. So, um, yeah, it was just it just knocked me on my ass, and I was like, this isn't even the um the 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 climax. This is the issue yeah. before the climax. Set up for the climax. Yeah, yeah, I can't even imagine what the next issue is going to be like. But yeah, so just great, 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 great issue. Um, another good uh, another great issue. I was really impressed by uh, Magneto, not a hero, number one. Uh, Scotty Young writing, Clay Man art. Um, a little more steeped into the X Men lore, a little more for the X Men. I wouldn't. I'm not sure if this is a pick it off the shelf, not knowing anything. But um, but no, if, if you've seen the movies, and any every single person in a comic shop now has seen the movies, they can yeah. follow along. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I thought I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, my one complaint about it. Uh, did well? Did you guys read this or was I? The, yes. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. My one complaint about it was on the art side. Was I'm not really sure why when uh, uh, so basically what happens is that Ma- uh, a Magneto attacks a bunch of people and kills a bunch of people and it's on the national news and all this stuff and so Captain America gets yelled at by the president and says you gotta you know bring him in and so Cyclops and Magneto show up at Avengers Mansion and Cyclops is in shorts <laughs> and I, looking at the clothes Clay Man decided to draw they're completely in civilian clothes and Cyclops is in a t-shirt and they, they look like you know a nice he pair had, of khakis or you know he like, had been fishing I know like, like he was out and he was fishing and <laughs> they got a call and he's like ah I'll, okay I'll be in because he never gets to go fishing is the thing 
<laughs> like it's it was like his it was the one, one time day. in six months and yeah. he was like yeah. I'm so excited to go fishing and then he got the call and he's like fuck yeah and it was like he just he just cast that first one out there and he'd opened up the, he'd opened up the cool he cracked one beer and he's like this is it man this one's for you Gene bleep 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 and he was what oh come on because yeah. every shut, time with this he can't shut his phone off that guy. <laughs> he won't do it. Like, and all his friends are like, Scott, just just shut it off. We'll take it. And he wouldn't do it, and look what happened. <laughs> so, um, so, so they go to talk to Captain America and Magneto, uh, uh, Captain America and Iron Man, and there's a lot of chest uh, thumping and and uh, that sort of thing. But basically, it's established Magneto thinks that there, Magneto wasn't there, it wasn't him, there's an imposter, which leads to the return of Joseph, which was the Magneto uh, clone. Oh, in you're, the late 90s. you're right. That's that's the thing. I don't know what that is. Yep. But you don't need to. Though. That's true. Well, but, no. Yeah. At the end, I was like, this is supposed to be a reveal of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, it's Joe. Hey. <laughs> Um, so, but what did you think of it as a non X Men guy? Did you enjoy it? Or? Yeah, it was pretty good. I think. Uh, I think at first I was like, this feels weird and clunky for the first couple pages. But I think that was supposed to because it wasn't Magneto. And then after that, there were a couple of points I was like, hey, look, this uh, this Scotty kid's got some words in him. Yeah. Uh, but but you know the thing is, he's been working so long. This is not his first published work, but it's his first like full issue of a thing. Right. He's been working long enough that he didn't make a lot of the sort of common mistakes that first guys do. Too many words, you know, too many balloons in a panel, you know, yeah. kept the pa- the pages spaced out correctly, uh, all that stuff. And he had a lot of information to get across too. So uh, that was that was pretty good. I'm I'm sort of thinking about it from a technical standpoint too. But I was I was engaged. Yeah. I was interested. I don't really have a thing with any of these characters, and I. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, and he and he has a he got the voices down. That was the big thing for me. Yeah, like, you know, is it going to sound like is it going to be Magneto, Cyclops, etc. And and I, I'll give him credit. He brought uh, brought some innovative inventiveness to the table with you know Magneto's own version of Cerebro. You know, yes. uh, yeah, which I thought I was like, oh, that's clever. That was you know like the you know I, I don't know I don't know when Magneto had the time to build it, but uh, <laughs> comic so, time. Yeah, exactly. I like the I really like the uh, the car thing. Where we're like yeah. you look outside the building, and there are a bunch of trucks and shit floating around. About yeah, that to, was that's, a really cool spread. Yeah, that was also yeah, that's just like that's that's a giant fu to another artist, by the way. Oh really? Oh yeah. Here's a bunch of cars floating around a building. Have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next issue, just floating horses. Come on, man. <laughs> more rubble. More rubble. Well, so, I mean, Clay Mann. He also who's really impressive too. Yeah. It was. I think it was. It was a solid book. Yeah. I really Clay enjoyed. Yeah. It. Um, but if you talk about a book that every time it comes out, I want to draw a bubble, a bubble bath and get a glass of wine and just luxuriate it, and it's well, Batwoman number three. <laughs> Can we talk about those books that you want to luxuriate? luxuriate? No, I like, just, I like it, to drop uh, it in as a surprise every time. Um, okay. It, oh my God, man. I mean, how I realize he's it's, only doing this arc, and then Amy Reader's t- taking over for a while, and then he comes, then Williams comes back. But for now, Jesus. It's just, it's, 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 you talk about not being fair. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. This is this is a true work of art every time. The I mean, the double page spread when Batwoman and uh, escapes from Chase, mm-hmm. like I love the, the the fluidity of motion, like you know, like the it's oh it's he's amazing. He honestly is amazing. Ah. <laughs> oh, here we go. You're not wrong, but I'm a I'm a little I'm a little bored of it. Wow. And no, I mean it looks great, but it's testing my ability to like a book solely for the. Solely for the uh, uh, art. Well, that and that, and that that's. I don't think it's solely for the art. I think the I think the I, crime, the main crime story, is not as compelling. But I think the side stuff with the I, I think trying the to date Maggie Sawyer and she yes. misses the date and she's got that's, a sidekick who she doesn't want and now the sidekick's going out on her own is all very interesting. I think I the, agree with you and that is all very interesting, but it's moving really slowly. And I feel like I would rather just read this in a chunk because 
I can like, understand that. Because the, the stories on themselves, the 20 pages of each issue, don't move everything along all that much. I feel like it's been, it's like, it's starting to feel like comic strips. Really, really beautiful comic strips, but they're 30 days apart. Yeah. Like, you just have these little sort of tiny steps forward in the, in the, in the thing, and they look great and they're wonderful to look at, but it doesn't feel like I'm reading a story. Uh, at, at a fast enough pace anyway. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because Connor and I talked about what was going to be the pick of the week on Wednesday. We were chatting, and I said, you know, I love, I love looking at Batwoman, but I just don't care about the story. And not, not to say that the story's not bad. I mean, it is good. I, I'm enjoying really, it, but I just don't have anything invested into it, so that's why, I, you know, but it's, it's beautiful. I do care. Like, I like the character. I like the setup. I, I like the whole – it's just that it's, it's a snail's pace, and I, I do find that a little frustrating. Yeah. Uh, but for me, the the last page when Flamebird goes out on her own, and now you know that there's going to be trouble. It was like, ooh, yeah, this is going to be bad. Like yeah. I, I feel I still feel invested in that side of the story. The, the Weeping Woman, I don't really care about, mm-hmm. but the the DEO chasing her, the girlfriend problems, the psychic she doesn't want. Going back the to dad, dad, I find all that interesting. So Absolutely. that's enough for me. I, I completely agree with you, though. The the main story, I don't really have any connection. I don't even I couldn't even tell you what's really going on. I'm, yeah, I don't really know what it is actually. <laughs> Uh, so there is that. Well, that's fine. Yeah. It's gorgeous. I don't really care. I'm just dazzled by the art. And besides, when I read it in the bathtub, most of the words get smudged anyway. <laughs> it gets all soggy and wet. Yeah. And, yeah. Wait, the thing is, when he finds something that he likes a lot, he splashes. He's like, yeah! And it just it gets everywhere. I'm luxuriating in it. <laughs> that's so, how you luxuriate. luxuriate. Oh, my God. It's actually on the show. So, yeah. So there's a long, rich history, and it hasn't happened in a while. But there is a long, rich history of you, the iFanbase, Screaming about a book so much that it that it cannot be ignored. That that the uh, that uh, a book is so good that everyone is so enjoying it that one of us has to take up the the take up arms and give it a shot. Um, I, if I remember correctly, the the first book in this in this legacy was Fell back in the day. Do you remember yes. that? Um, so the latest entry into the okay, you're right. Uh, Hall of Fame uh, is uh, Journey into Mystery. Uh, issue number 631 came out this week, and uh, Kieran Gillen wrote it. Wills Portacio drew it. Um, for those uh, who not, might not be aware, I went back based on everybody's everybody's feedback and actually Kieran Gillen, um, which and I'm going to write an article on iFanboy about this uh, that will be up this week, so you can go and read that. Um, based on that, I picked up every issue from the, the kickoff of this back in May, and I caught up. And I actually caught up as of uh, this past weekend, and so when this new issue came out, I was caught up to speed. And I got to give Gillen credit; he, he this process, this this title is probably the best thing he's doing at Marvel right now. It's it's really good. Um, and it's a Thor book. I mean, well, yeah, it's a Thor. Well, you no, know, but it's a Loki book. I mean, but you that, don't like okay. Thor. Yeah, I don't like yeah, Thor. Well, that was, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, I don't like Thor, but I, apparently I love Loki. Um, no, no, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, it does. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's great because because he's I mean it's kid Loki and there's all this Norse nuance and and should all call it that and all yeah they should call it just kid Loki yeah but um there's all this um there's all this Norse you know kind of stuff like which I don't know and it just goes completely over my head but honestly reading Journey into Mystery made Fear itself a lot better surprise surprise it like it, it, I understood what was going on in the did um, it make the dialogue better did no, it make no, the it storytelling didn't. make sense did it make the character <laughs> motivations make any sense no no it made it made the it made the did it give me my 12 bucks back no it didn't do that no oh. but it made the it made the motivations on the uh, Odin side I understood what I didn't understand what was going on in fear itself was explained in a better way through the pages of this um, which I through reading it but in this particular issue though it's uh, this is really the first post fear itself kind of issue and it's still dealing with the 
the uh, the aftermath, and there was a lot of uh, machinations by Loki behind the scenes of what happened, um, and uh, and then apparently there's uh, so Odin is gone, and now the All Mothers are in charge. And um, uh, yeah, so there's uh, some interaction with Loki, but Mephisto's in it, um, you know, uh, Hell, uh, Hella, and Hell, and all that sort of stuff, and and it's just and it's cool because Loki has this modern. Like he he's you know he's Asgardian but he's a kid and he's and he's he's growing up in Broxton Oklahoma so like there's all these references to you know like he Loki figured out what memes are and like and like and that could be you know and the idea of like a Asgardian with our kind of culture could be kind of like eye roll inducing but it's actually done very cleverly and and not in a not in bad taste. Um, and it, it's worked, you know, it's not overdone. Like it just, every now and then it's touched upon like the fact that he has a cell phone and that sort of thing. And, um, but it still ties directly what into. Kind of, what kind of signals is he getting in Asgard? Yeah. Well, he's in, he's in Broxton. So. Oh, I yeah, see. Yeah. It's flat there though. So. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, but you know, and it's, it's, it was, it's just, I'm, I am eating a bit of crow, which is funny cause there's a crow in it. Um, but, uh, that the, the, the book is really good and, and despite all the caption boxes. So. Oh snap! <laughs> oh hello! Oh man! That one goes straight to London. Ouch! <laughs> but um, it is good, and I'm I'm on board. I'm going to keep on reading it. So until until it's no longer good. So. My His next pick book of the has week, a long title. My pick of the week was Bat- the all new Batman: The Brave and the Bold number thirteen, which is uh, one of the comic series that's tied into the com- the cartoon that's just ended. And I've I've never read this comic before. I I only watched some of the TV show. But uh, this issue intrigued me. Scott Snyder tweeted about it. Um, it was an issue where it's a one-and-done, all-ages title. And in this issue, the Phantom Stranger shows up while Nightwing and Speedy are on a case. And he says, Batman's in trouble. you got to go. And he takes him away to the Batcave where all of the Robins that have ever been are there, including Carrie from The Dark Knight Returns, including Stephanie, when she, the, who was briefly Robin, including Damian Wayne, including Jason Todd, including wow. Tim Drake. And it's funny because... It's, it's, I guess it's a book ostensibly in the Brave and the Bold continuity, but this this issue is squarely in the DCU continuity because it's all these DCU characters. <laughs> and um, they're trying to get kids uh, who read this book and watch the cartoon to go out and buy Dark Knight Returns next is what yes, I'm getting. Exactly, like I did, and yeah. that didn't do any harm. Oh. Um, so in this issue, Batman's been shot in the back and he's going to die. There's no way to save him medically. The Phantom Stranger can't save him, so they have to take him to the a Lazarus Pit. That's guarded by the League of Assassins, so all the Robins have to team up with all the diff- different personalities to fight you know, the, the League of Assassins to get into Lazarus Pit, and they do. And um, it's just, it's, it's, it was really fun. It was really Sholly uh, Fish. It was the writer, and she's going to be, or he, whoever is going to be writing the backups in, in Action Comics soon. So that's interesting. Hmm. It was a really well, sort of solidly written one and done story with all these different characters. The personalities were spot on. Um, and then at the very Burkett, end, it was nice. right? Uh, yes, Burkett's Burkett, their artist, and. Um, or Burchett, and uh, at the very end, the uh, Phantom Stranger's talking to Madame Zandu and says, it's a good thing it worked out, and she says, no, we, we had a backup plan, and reveals all the bad girls from all the time. So it's kind of a, um, it's kind of a Batman porn issue. It was featured, if you miss Stephanie Brown, she's in it twice, once as Robin, once as Batgirl, if, if you, you know, if you like seeing, you know, Jason Todd as Robin, and everyone knows what happens to him, so they're all making fun of him, which seems kind of cruel, because that's, he was murdered. Um... <laughs> But, he's yeah, but a dick, then he was so. a dick. Yeah. yeah, he was a dick, so he kind of deserves it. And it was just it was fun as a as a Batman fan and as a Robin fan to see all the Robins that have ever been fighting together. And they, they basically say we we've been trained by the best guy in the world, so we're unstoppable and we're all teamed up. And they are. So it was. 
It was fun. It was totally all ages could enjoy it, but as an adult who likes Batman, it's totally fun. And, and if you like that kind of thing, check it out. Cool. Um, so normally, I'm 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 a I'm a positive, optimistic guy. Not lately. And um and I'm <laughs> normally I'm you know and I'm and I I definitely have no I don't hide behind my personal preferences and things I'm fans of, including you know my allegiance to things like Marvel Comics and Image Comics and things like that. These are these are publishers I have enjoyed for twenty plus years, and I want to see them do well and stuff like that. But God damn it, do I feel like I got ripped off with this six dollar Marvel point one book. Point one, number one. Point, yeah, point, one, point number one. one. Number one, point one. Marvel, Five, point zero. one, number one, uh, one shot. Uh, I, like, Marvel just threw me over the table and fucked me with this one. And oh, I should have known better, but talk about it. You should have. I totally should have. And like, I mean, I did. And the, and the thing is, is that, like, and the thing is, is that, you know, like, you know, kudos to them. Good on them if they were able to take a glorified preview book, wrap a a mediocre framing sequence around it by Brubaker and slap a $6 price tag on a five ninety nine price tag and get me to buy it, then, you know, I really shouldn't, you know, it's shame on me, you know, but God damn it. God damn it. Do you see that this a while ago? Remember with the, um, that preview yes. book a long time ago, but it was, it was like 50 cents, but no, no, what they did, but they, they had that preview book for the new 52. That was free. Right. Like what? What this is? This is what I think Marvel should have done with this. Is that I get? I get that they're excited. Like th- it, this hints to all the the new stuff that's coming in 2012. And you know, you get you you get a taste of the Nova McGinnis, uh, the Jeff Loeb Ed McGinnis Nova book, which I don't want. I don't want any part of, to be honest with you. After seeing that, um, uh, a little bit of Stegman's uh, Scarlet Spider, a little bit of Strange, Doctor Strange, and the Defenders, a little bit of um, of uh, Ultron, uh, Avenger story with the Hitch, who I think has lost it. Um, the hitch art is not very good. Um, so you get a little taste of all this. Uh, there's some new characters, a yin and yang character, or whatever, uh, Dragonfire and Cold Moon that Fred Van Lenty seems to have created, um, which you know, which is interesting to see new characters. Um, but and and now these stories aren't going to appear anywhere. You can only get them in this book, you know, they're, they're, until they're collected in trade. They're not going to be reprinted in issues or anything like that. But I feel like Marvel could have gotten way much mileage out of getting excitement around this by either making it a freebie or putting them up online digitally for free or something. Because I, after six dollars, I'm just like I'm I'm in lots of hate. So um, and when the next one comes out, when the next one, that. yeah, uh, no, I'm no, I'm not doing it. never again, never again. So bastards. Wow. Market, bastards. So it wasn't. It was. It was trailers, basically. It was trailers. Yeah, it was. Tra- it was. It, yeah, it was, that's exactly what it was. It was basically trailers. It was a book of trailers. Uh, a lot of a lot of retailers were talking about it, and, and people were like, a lot of retailers were selling it for less. They're yeah. selling it for three bucks or. or- so, I mean, six. I mean, it's thick. I mean, there are seven stories, you know, in terms of the framing sequence. Are these stories? Well, yeah, they're they're, they're stories. I mean, they they they're they're really brief, you know, kind of glimpses. They're glimpses into bigger stories, I guess. But they're they're self contained, and that and they're also not going to appear in the book. So like they're they're you know, they're trailers basically. And um, Whoa. but but six dollars is painful, man. So I've never heard you talk like this. Yeah. No, I know. Well, it just it just hurts. It's always just like I don't even look the receipt, man. I buy comics, whatever. I got to yeah. do it. No, but this you really got to what? Did I get my six dollars worth? You know, I so. don't believe you did. I don't think I did. So. All right. Oh well. Anyway, this episode of My Fanboy is brought to you by Audible Audio's audiobooks on your iPhone, BlackBerry, Android device, computer, or more, with over one hundred thousand titles to choose from. Audible and award-winning writer, narrator, screenwriter, and comic book writer. 
Uh, Neil Gaiman have joined forces to publish in audio a group of hand-selected books that Neil thought were great books and would make excellent audio experiences. As a producer of the titles, Neil selected the books and narrators he felt were perfectly matched and participated in the production process. The titles bring to life Neil's vision and interpretation to each individual work as he worked closely with the authors and narrators uh, while getting them produced. Uh, Neil also gives some insights into each of the books with audio commentary as an introduction to each book. And you can stream the intros for free at audible.com slash NGP, as in Neil Gaiman Presents. Uh, if you're already an Audible member, you can choose from any of them using your normal credits. Or if you aren't an Audible member, you can purchase any of them individually. You can check out a list of books. Uh, the list of books that he will be selecting new ones regularly, so there'll be more. So keep checking back. Uh, and you can find that full list at audible.com slash NGP. And uh, cool. there's exciting. lots of other stuff there. Yeah. I have been, I have, I've been on an Audible kick lately. Yeah, It was Neil so, Gaiman's birthday last week. Was it? Yes, it was. 25 years old. <laughs> it's amazing what he's done. Wow. <laughs> so, he looks a lot older than that. Yeah. Josh, what have you been reading lately? Uh, Audible. I've been, oh, Reem D. Mm. Neil, Neil Stevenson, my, my other favorite Neil, my, my favorite writer of all time. I, I got his gigantic book, Reem D, on there, which is, which is honestly my favorite author did a book about Chinese gold farmers in an, in an MMORPG. <laughs> what are the chances of that? I keep thinking when you, got, when you guys tweet about it, I keep thinking you're just misspelling read me. That's the point. No, well, that's, I know, I know, but it just—it's just—it's just. But just, every time, it, it hurts my head. Oh, it's so good. I can't. I'm. I got like. I got podcasts backed up for a month. Yeah. It's. I can't stop. And there's a lot left still. All right. <laughs> cool. Very cool. I'm very happy about it. Nice. Awesome. All right. So back to the comic books. So uh, Resurrection Man number three. I'm really enjoying Resurrection Man like a lot. Yes. Uh, and that landing are awesome. Um, uh, no, it's, it's really, really I don't good. know why that's funny. I'm yeah. laughing. I can't no, it's help. really, really good, and I like what's going on here. But, Connor, did you, are you reading this, Connor? Are you still on? Yes, I am. Did you notice the gratuitous panty shot? There's a lot of gratuitous. Well, no, but there wasn't, like, there wasn't, like, I didn't even think it was that gratuitous until I got to the page when the, one of the, the girl villains is, punches somebody, and you, and her skirt kind of goes up, and you see her panties and it's like i was like really like it, that that page felt really out of place to me i don't know why. this particular these two characters whose names escape me at the moment they're two uh, scantily clad women and they're chasing resurrection man and uh they they've been pretty gratuitous yeah but that was that was a little over the top gratuitous that but one yeah, but, yeah that was the, yeah i could because i could take okay she's in a little schoolgirl outfit and the plaid skirt and the the tie and stuff like that but th that shot i was like oh that you know it's like that wasn't yeah necessary. it was pretty bad but on the, but on the whole this has been a really fantastically fun it's really good comic yeah one of them's named car the one in the the plaid skirt's named carmen it's carmen san diego that's where yeah, she went that's where she is um, but yeah, no, it's it's really it's really good. There's enough of a mystery in that I kind of don't know what's going on, but I want to find out. But I got an idea of what's going on. You know, like it's that good balance. Um, I dig it. It's good. So except for the gratuity. So. Um, talk about a book I dig. Avenging Spider-Man number one was so much fun. You liked it, really? I loved yes. this issue. Really? Um, I also felt the same way that Connor did. Interesting. I loved it. I say I haven't. I don't have a regular Spider-Man book other than Ultimate Spider-Man because I dropped off Amazing, and so I don't. I've missed, I've missed Spider-Man, and this was the Spider-Man book for me. I love Zeb Wells, first of all. Yeah. I've always been a big Zeb Wells writing Spider-Man fan, and then I don't have a lot of experience with Joe Mad. Um, when was the last time he redrew a book that we talked about? Was it um, was Ultimate Three? Ultimate. There Ultimate wasn't three. a book before after that. No. Anyway, um, I don't have a lot of experience. I wasn't reading the comics, uh, X-Men comics, when he was drawing them, and I love his art. Well, that, now here now the thing is the thing about this is that my only complaint about this is that he really needs an inker. 
Like, I, loved I don't it. mind I loved it at it. all. I loved it. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I mean, that, in, in, if you go back and look at his old Battle Chasers work or the old Uncanny uh, X-Men stuff when he, had, when, he, when he had an anchor, when it was tight and stuff like that, I loved it. But there was a lot of a lot for at least for me in terms of what i've seen him done previously but if you know a lot of roughness and a lot of you know errant lines See, I, love, and I, love like the, that. I love the scratchiness of it i love yeah the that did bother me that's cool the color I was much the, better than the color yeah the color was much better well you yeah. could actually see the art as opposed to the ultimates yeah. when you couldn't see the art but i i've been on a whole comics should be fun kick and this was just flat out fun yeah. it was well, it's, Marvel, it's marvel team up yeah it's, it's marvel team up with spider-man and red hulk fighting you know mole man and his moloids and giant creatures from the bottom of the earth and it was just tons of fun oh. Spider-Man really made me laugh a bunch of times in this one. Yeah, Zeb Wells is a great Spider-Man. Yeah, he Zeb really Wells does. I mean, I was I was really like having fun reading this, and and that doesn't jog hippies. <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> he was one of my favorite guys on the original new brand new day team. Whenever yeah. he did it yeah, uh, yeah. at an arc, it was fantastic. Yeah. Moloids are get, making a big comeback in the Marvel. Where are the hot Moloids from? From yeah, Incredible. That's what I want to know. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I just, it's just, I, I struggled with the art a little bit just because I, I expected more. But, I, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. So that's good. So, I'm, yeah. I, I wasn't I really, I didn't know if I was looking forward to this book or not, and now I fucking am. All right, all right, yeah. fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, does that big two-page uh, uh, Hickman title page count as, as story pages? <laughs> I'm trying to count because yeah, if this is going to be the new thing they do, that's that sucks. <laughs> you know, not to get all going the other way on. Let's see. Yeah. Um, you go. I'm gonna count. So Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, number three. I, I was a little down on it when it started, but three issues in, and I'm I'm loving it. Like this is one one book where I didn't continue that I feel like I should have. Like it, it, uh, similar to what you're saying about comics should be fun. This is just fun. It is yeah. just it is just fun action with a little bit of you know a little bit of the macabre, a little bit of the you know the, with the the, the 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 characters being you know Frankenstein and a you know vampire and stuff like that big monsters big you know technology you know like I just I, it's got it touches on every little bit of what fun comics are and well, um, I, I hate to correct you but it's Frankenstein okay sorry um but uh Ponticelli's knockers Ponticelli's art is fantastic and I, I mean three so three issues in where I was like ah it's a little bit of BP, BPRD ripoff it's not I mean it kind of is in terms of like the the structure but it's something completely different and unique and it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun so Connor I would I would say go there's still yeah, time I, I'm thinking about it I think I, I keep you know because we, we we started we read all those books it was a lot to read it was you tiring had to cut, you had to cut titles and I feel, and I and I, since since then I've you know I read issue twos I've dropped off of after that but I feel like I should go back and get two and three of Frankenstein yeah that's my feeling yeah but in the right. same token I think Demon Knights Demon Knights number three is turning into a hell of a fun ride yeah yes uh, absolutely absolutely no. it this, was it was this was this was my pick of the week uh, I had so much fun reading this I I, I don't have a word to say right now so <laughs> yeah it's a pure sword and sorcery epic. I mean, there's 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 characters who are later on superheroes, but right now they're all just sword and sorcery characters, and it's violent. There's shocking thing. The demon in this issue it does some horribly shocking things. Yes, that made me go holy shit out loud while I was reading it. And but it's tons of fun. You've got these characters who are banded together to face a giant army in this little town against a mountain, and there's dragons and there's wizards, and it's everything I loved as a kid. You know, playing um, Hero Quest and those kind of games. And, uh, yeah, yeah, very Hero Questy. Yes, I, yeah. The, yeah. The thing is, like, you don't. Even though you know these characters, you don't have any idea what's going to happen or where they stand. Really, like Vandal Savage isn't really a bad guy in this. He just yeah. wants to fight. Yep. Uh, and they had this had one of my favorite sequences of the week um, with uh, the Shining Knight uh, when when it was like this does no credit to our to our sex. And Shining Knight's like our 
and there's like that silent panel moment. Wait, you're not a woman? <laughs> and then and then they keep going back to it. They didn't just let that stand there. It was it went back to it a couple times, and I was like, that was that was one of the sort of great silent pauses in comics that I've read in a little while. So yeah. that was fun. Apparently, awesome. Shiny Knight's not a woman. Apparently, but, but she is. But she is. She's in denial yeah. about it. Yeah, she's not. So. <laughs> Anyway, all right, so those are the books we enjoyed this week, um, but a lot more books came out, and many of you enjoyed them as well, and you went to ifanboy.com slash comics to do your pull list, and rate and review and make your picks of the week, and Connor, why don't you run down the top five picks of the week for this week? Top five picks of the week, number five, Batman, Batwoman, number three, is 5% of the picks. Uh, number four, Avenging Spider-Man, number one, 11%, number three, 21 story pages. <laughs> Ultimate Comics, Spider-Man, number four, with 16%. Number two, Green Lantern, number three, with 18%. Number one, Uncanny X-Force, number 17, a 30% of the picks of the week. And also the official iFanboy pick of the week. Yeah, wow, the popular the popular uh, vote. Good to, uh, Ron the Populous. But, um, well, but thought enough it, to get president now. thought it was interesting that within the top three were two other books that we didn't talk about, so they'll go to the iFan base to see what they thought of Green Lantern and Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number four. Uh Abadori uh, reviewed Green Lantern number three, gave the story a five out of five and the art a five out of five, and 18% of you made it pick the week, as we just mentioned. And Abadori said, The interactions between Sinestro and Hal are what make this book great. I can live with this dynamic forever. I think Sinestro is a too kick-ass of a villain to keep him on the shelf. I can't wait to see what becomes of Hal after the Yellow Lantern incident and the third army that the Guardians referenced. Johns is great in the Green Lantern universe, and I can't wait to see where it goes. This book veers very close to the stuff I didn't like about the last year of Green Lantern, yep. but... It stays just enough away where I'm still enjoying it. Yep. It's basically just how I'm Sinestro right now. If yeah. it goes to we're dealing with tons of colored lanterns again, then I'm probably out again. But yeah. for right now, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 definitely teetering for me. But the idea that there's there's a third te- there's you know that they're they're, they're going to enact a third iteration is interesting because I did you know li- I did like the whole dynamic between the Guardians and I mean the Manhunters and the Green Lanterns before yeah. in the past but yeah. it's teetering. Yeah, but I feel right like I feel like but I feel but it also feels a little redundant because didn't they do that with the Alpha Lanterns? Mm-hmm. Were they officially? I mean, these, those are still Green Lanterns. Yeah, so. true. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. <laughs> it's anyway. it's, uh, it's on the it's, it's walking a razor's edge where it could go either way. Yes, the razor's edge. I like that. Dr. Kiltman, which is uh, Tom Cater's message board name, uh, said of Ultimate Spider, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number four, I don't want to call it that, uh, gave the story a five out of five and the art a five out of five. Pick of the week percentage, as we said, was 16%. Uh, Morales helped – that's weird. Morales helped a child develop – Morals. 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 Oh, Read, like, damn it. <laughs> oh, God. Dreamed-y. Morals help a child uh, – this is a lesson. Morals help a child develop into an adult while morals help super beings define who they are and what they represent. Bendis and Pacelli show us another piece of our beloved Miles Morales, and I am loving every issue of it. In this latest issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, we are given a glimpse of the moral compass that has led Peter Parker in his troubled and glory times of being a superhero, now being bestowed onto Miles Morales and the decision he has to make for himself with his newly found powers. That was not my fault. It's like you've never read before. No, it's not written in English. <laughs> Dr. Kiltman may be from another place. <laughs> uh, anyway, but um, yeah, no, I like how Ultimate Comics Spider-Man is kind of catch it, like it, it, you know, catching up to the continuity almost. Yeah, you know, and giving actually it- this this little sequence in this actually had more of an emotional resonance with on me than most of the issues that I read. Yeah, of it happening at the time. Yeah, because oh, yeah. you're seeing it through somebody else's eyes. Maybe I, I don't really know, but right. The Liz scene I thought was really good. Yeah, it was very, very good. Very, very good. Continues to be great. So when, 
Who's so Liz? go to ifanboy.com slash comics and do your pull list and come back and rate and review your books and we might re- read a review on the show. Uh, hopefully better than that one. But. Did you mean Gwen Stacy? Gwen, that's what, what? I meant. Liz, Liz, Liz Allen. Liz, Liz, right? Liz yeah, Allen, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I knew what you meant. So. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Gwen. Betty Grant. So we also want to uh, remind everybody that iFanboy is part of Graphically, and Graphically is the place for digital comics online. Um, you can get uh, amazing comics from Marvel Comics, Image Comics, IDW, Boom, Arkea, and hundreds of other publishers all at Graphically.com, available for reading on the web as well as your devices like your iPhone, iPad, or Android devices, tablet, or phone. Um, and uh, big news uh, that uh, both recently brought Barnes & Noble announced the new Nook tablet, and Graphically has already got comics on there, over 45 comics and more coming to the Nook, um, and also the upcoming Amazon Kindle Fire, Graphically is going to be there, so if you have pre- pre-ordered a Kindle Fire, you'll be able to read digital comics via Graphically there, so it's super exciting. Uh, be sure to follow Graphically on Twitter at twitter.com slash graphically, and Facebook at facebook.com slash graphically, never miss a thing, and go to graphically.com and get started today. Book of the month time, which is a time uh, directly after where one feels very relieved, but directly before thinks... Oh, what am I going to do about this? But it was fairly easy this time as I read uh, Rust, Visitor in the Field uh, by Royden Lepp um, from Archaea. This is not uh, officially available yet. You can't go pick it up in a bookstore, but you can get it from uh, comic conventions, and that's where I got it. They've been selling it actually for for a little while at those shows, but it's going to be out for everybody next month. Uh, you can read a uh, preview of the book on uh, on Graphically and on Archaea's site if you want to get a, a look at what it is. But um, – you know, the, the concept of the book is actually fairly simple. What we've got is a story um, about sort of a, a – uh, it's sort of a rural America after – I don't want to say the period after World War I, so maybe the Depression era, something like that, maybe a little bit later. Um, and there's been a big war, and that war was fought by robots. Um, it's, it's very similar to, to Pluto in that way, but only that way really, um, in that there was this huge thing that happened with robots and, and everything got out of control and now they're sort of struggling to pick up the pieces and there's just this guy and he, you know, has a farm that he's trying to get together and, and, and the, the father's away and, and it's, you're struggling to make a living as you would anywhere else. And he decides that he's going to take one of these old rusted hulks left over from the war and turn it into a, a farm helping device. Uh, is there a word for that (laughs) farm assistance I'm staying far away from this I know me too and this is all you man (laughs) you were looking for a life preserver I ain't throwing it I love what I really love is working with two guys who are there for me because the second that anything happens that they could help with what they do is go let's watch them fucking swim (laughs) exactly (laughs) do you think I know about farm machines I live in fucking Manhattan I know about a lot of shit you didn't see in Thresher, it's a thresher. Thresher. Harvester? No. Harvester. Yeah. Either way, it's a big fucking robot. I've already exhausted so, all the farm machines I know. Plow? Is it a plow? I, I think it could do all of those things. Yeah. It does the work of many. It's a large android sort of deal. But uh, all the these... From, from uh, uh, that Polly Shore movie where he went to live on a farm, that giant machine he drove? <laughs> I never no? saw that. See, now you know more about farms than me. Um... <laughs> Anyway, like all of the all of the robots and all the devices in this are sort of like like old timey. They've they've got like engines and and springs and and you know actuators and and stuff like that. It, it feels more like Iron Giant than like you know anything anything super modern. Um, and and it, a mysterious visitor arrives. This kid named Jet, and he can uh, 
he can fly around. He fights off one of the, the robots who shows up, and then he ends up staying at the farm to help out for a little while. But there's a whole mysterious thing going on about him. And, and, and like all this stuff sounds fairly – you've heard these kinds of stories before. Um, one of the things that this comic does better than anything is that it, there's really this ominous tone of, of – uh, quietness and and something's going to be happening and some other stuff really bad happened and we don't really know what that is yet and it's the first sort of volume in what will be I assume a series um, about you know this this whole world that we built which just slightly different from our world and I guess the thing that I liked about it was just the uh, the economy of what was on each page and sort of the the, the, the way that there just wasn't too much there and they weren't giving you everything, but it was just enough mystery and just enough intrigue to make me want to keep going. Besides that, I really like the style. Uh, the author, Royden Lepp, is uh, he's also an animator, and you can see that in the work. And it's sort of a, a nice sort of classic kind of uh, cartooning style. And, and it's just, you know, there's these big wheat fields everywhere and this sort of serenity that goes along with it. But then there's these big sort of rusting hulks that that are also incredibly threatening at the same time and uh it, i don't know felt very uh felt very classic felt sort of a, a sort of a classic american tale of a, america that doesn't actually exist right now but uh it's a beautiful sort of package and the you know nice little hardcover book in, in a digest size kind of volume and uh, i think i think people are really going to react to this i think they're going to like it a lot when it comes out i i would be i would be surprised if you don't hear a lot more about it um, so when it does come out, make sure you, you check it out because uh, it, was, it was definitely worth the time. It's everyone, a kind of a quick read. Everyone I know that saw it at, at the various conventions this past year and stuff like that it all were like, oh, you got to check that out. Like it, yeah. it's a lot of goodwill behind it. Yeah. Yeah. When I was uh, editing the video show, we talked to Archaea's publisher. Every book you guys talked about, I was like, oh, I want that. And then Rust was no different. It was they're putting out a lot of interesting and good stuff and it looks gorgeous. Yeah, yeah it is. It really is. It's and it's sort of like one of those solo works, you know, writer artist all to, you know, it's like a single vision. It's just it's very nice, great little package. Uh it's, it's definitely going to be worth checking out. Yeah. Good gift for the holidays. I can't believe it's the time of year that I would say that. Yep. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Anyway, so yeah, so go to ifanboy.com and check out your the book of the month, um all written review written up there and pre-order Rust when it comes out. Um yay, good job. On to the email. Josh, you want to read this one? <laughs> oh, I see what's going to happen here. Tim Harding from London says, I awoke shuddering last night from an unusually vivid dream starring Cyclops of the X-Men. I thought you were doing an accent. No. No. I've had, I've had Dance five monkey. this week. In the dream, Cyclops is waiting to take a shot at some, at some kind of speedster character. If I were being particular, I think it was the little scene Mutant Next variant of Quicksilver. But he hesitated for a second too long and missed his chance. The dream ended with, with the unsettling realization that Scott's blue cowl was actually just preternaturally lank blue hair. <laughs> Also, he was definitely Cyclops as drawn by Carlos Pacheco. So my question is, have you guys ever dreamt of comic characters or situations? And if you have, were your dreams in the style of a particular artist? Wow. <laughs> I'm going to assume this was put in the script because someone has an answer. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that's, just, just, that's just weird. <laughs> preternaturally lank blue hair. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot weird about that. The, the, the preternatural hair as well as the dream. Like, you would think that with the amount of comics we read on a weekly basis that they would. Because back when we played World of Warcraft, I used to have World of Warcraft dreams. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, all the time. All that's the time. Yeah. That's because it was addictive. Yeah, it's all consuming. I think I don't think I've ever had a comic stream, but but related to comics, ever since I've been writing the Walking Dead recaps on iFanboy, I've been having I zombie don't sleep. dreams. 
I've been having lots of zombie dreams. Really? A lot. Um, but that's... that's because I think like Warcraft, you kind of get yourself consumed in it, you know, and whereas comics are a part of my life, but not, I, don't, I don't, you know, envelop them into my life. Right. World of Warcraft, we did. Yeah, but, it's but, very immersive in that. Where I think I think that I've, I've I've drawn the line between comics and that like I know that they're fiction and I know you know like and it's kind of like I don't get as um, lost in them uh, maybe as we did World of Warcraft or, or other things that that you have weird dreams about. Can um, we stop talking about World of Warcraft? Yeah, we can. Um, <laughs> no. I, I'm trying that to remember. Book is bad I'm, enough. I'm trying to remember if I've ever had any comic related dreams. I don't think I have. I've had dreams about being a cons. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's somewhat comic. Again, related. totally yeah. immersive into our lives. You lose your life for three or four days into yeah. this thing. Yeah, but yeah, interesting. Yeah. In a week on either side. Yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. So if you have any questions about your dreams or any of your life or anything like that, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. And to stay on the topic of artists, uh, we've got a question about your first time. Hey, guys. It's John from, the, uh, from outside of Philly. I was got a question for you. Um, recently reading a collection of the first Champions um, series. I, guess, I think it's the first 11 issues. The art's generally pretty crappy uh, and humorous, especially because of Angel's plunging neckline that goes all the way down to his navel. But on the, in the 11th issue, this is introducing John Byrne, and the art changes dramatically. And I was wondering if you recall the first time you saw one of your favorite artists, and if you knew at the time that something special was going on, or is it only looking back at things you know, retrospectively to see, oh, yeah, that was significant and that was a good artist and that was some, someone impressive? Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Bye. I have definitely had that experience, and, and I remember it at the time. I, I don't know. My first instinct is to tell you it's Todd McFarlane uh, when I was you know 12 or so. Yeah. Uh, but I know just about around that time, John Byrne was another name that I, I started noticing in the books that he did. Uh, at the time, it was West Coast Avengers. And I just remember thinking, these are well, these are really good looking. And then he did what the, and so I was like, oh, we can draw like that too. <laughs> you could still see the difference. Um, but I, I definitely saw that like those pages were the first time that I, I with Todd McFarlane, I was I'd never seen anything that specific that rendered that that sort of worked over uh, in a way that added to it. Um, and then with the John Byrne stuff, I'd never I, like it was just so. Um, so clean and so pure and so just like it looks so clean no, and so no, pure. It just looked correct. <laughs> yeah. Like it didn't. Ha- it was almost the opposite of the McFarland stuff, and that it didn't have anything extraneous. But it just looked really good. All of his proportions and the way that he drew his people and and like it just all hung together really really well. Yeah. Um, and I and I and I, 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 I almost have a hard time because it is it's just clean. It's there's there's not a lot extra there, but it just looks so good the way that I I always picture the way that he did like like people's chests and people's heads and and necks and like it just um it it looks really good. Like we you know there's there's lots of reasons to joke about John Byrne now, but John Byrne in the late 80s in the early 90s was better than everyone. Yes, amazing. Yeah. And defined the look of so many comics yeah. and characters. But for me, I mean, it's, we've, we've talked about these artists before, but it was Kevin Maguire when I was 10. And it's a similar way of John Byrne. It was suddenly this guy was much different than everyone else. I was, every other comic I was reading and much better. I could even tell better and cleaner and like Josh said. And, and that's, that was the first time as a kid when I went, ooh, what is, what's going on with the art? I mean, that's the first time I actually looked at it from, from that perspective. Yeah. 
and noticing that sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's funny how you, you never. I mean, and a lot of time people, longtime listeners of us, will reckon you know recognize you know you talked about McFarlane and Byrne and, and McGuire, and I've talked a lot about the effect Jim Lee hands, but then also Alan Davis. Like it, it it was the one thing like the moment the moment that you read comics and that you someone's work stands out where you want to know who it is. Like I, I remember that moment, like the first time I picked, you know, because I started picking up Excalibur, and it wasn't Alan Davis was off by that point. I went back and picked up the back issues, and I was like, "Who is this? Like, this is amazing! Like the way it looks, and you know, and and it taps into some weird, you know, like you know, just like sense of new world, you know, kind of like all of a sudden, all of a sudden, black and white goes color, you know, like that sort of thing. <laughs> well, you just realize that, you know, like you start to see the talent that goes into it, the sort of inborn talent that some of these guys have. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what started me on a way to really appreciate the art form. And you have to be old enough to recognize that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as a kid, I certainly loved Kurt Swan and all those old school guys in the old comics I read. But I didn't, not enough to look up who they were because I was too young because I was just reading the books. And then I, as I got to that, that age where I started to wonder who these people were behind the books is when I started noticing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You never forget your first time. Good times. So. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, but for me, it was Alan Davis and Jim Lee. Those are the two that made me like stop and, and go, whoa, what? And what's great is that when that happens, even I mean, I think it's even more special now. Oh yeah, you know, now that we're twenty years into it or whatever, you know, like when like the first time I saw Nick Bradshaw and I was like, who is this? You know, and I want you know, and and um, other artists where it's just like you know, Sean Murphy. Yes, uh, yes. You know, yep. Now when I see or see I see Tom Fowler pages or yeah. you know Gabe Hardman like those pages or or Opeña is another really good one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Guys, guys that Remender works with, basically. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you have any questions, you can call us on the voicemail line at one eight 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 fanboys It's one 888 We do a Don't Miss podcast every Monday, and uh, that's what we say anyway. But we're, we're back on track, uh, thanks to Thank, Paul. Thanks to Paul. MVP. Thanks to Paul. MVP. <laughs> uh, this week's Don't Miss podcast is with Tim and Ben Truman, father and son team, behind Hawken, which is a Western from Boom Studios. If you don't know Tim Truman, he is... Uh, He's a classic uh, comic book artist, especially in the, the vein of the Western, and uh, it's a good-looking book, people. Uh, so you want to uh, make sure you listen to this really cool uh, conversation and check out this book. Ended abruptly. Check out <laughs> iFanboy.com for Ron's Pick Week Review, Josh's Book of the Month Review, all of our great content every day in iFanboy, including our About page where you can find all of our information on social networks and be our friends on Twitter and Facebook and all those places. And you can follow us on Twitter.com slash iFanboy. And at facebook.com slash iFanboy, where you can find all the latest news from iFanboy. And finally, we do a video show every Wednesday. We've been doing four weeks of near Comic-Con shows, and they're over. No more more near Comic-Con shows. Next week, we're talking about comics that are dark and light and their relative merits. Like in terms of like color value? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, so like the really t- muddy comics versus yes. the you know, the ones you can't read. The bright the ones. <laughs> in terms of tone. Okay. <laughs> the total total debate in comics right now yeah. versus serious and lighthearted comics and fun comics and dark comics. And you can and you could subscribe to the iFanboy Video Show and iFanboy Don't Miss and all that stuff all on iTunes. You can go there and you can subscribe and get it sent directly to you. So uh, that's always a good thing to have. And if you have any questions, you can always email us at contact at iFanboy.com or leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that, keep it under thirty seconds on the voicemail. Let us know who you are, where you're from. We've got a bunch of voicemails this week, so it's good to see people calling back in. And as we inch our way towards the end of the year, we want to hear more from you, what you've been enjoying this year and stuff like that. So be sure to call in. If you like us, 
and how could you not uh, go to iFanboy or go to iTunes and leave a review for iFanboy or our video show or the Don't Miss podcast that we talked about or all that stuff there or you know what any anything else you like any of the other podcasts especially the sort of comic book podcasts and those things because those uh, reviews are the ways that people uh, get to know about them. and even if it seems like there's a lot there the more you put and the more uh, good words you put the more helpful it is to everybody uh, or even better yet just uh, if you know somebody you think you would like the show or the website or anything like that you are our marketing team so let people know about a word of mouth is hugely important to us uh, so tell you know message boards Twitter wherever if you, if you like stuff and you want people to know about it then those are the places to do it so I mean thank you for doing that yeah, excellent. So, um, yeah, so I, I was I, I was all happy when I did my pull list because I thought I had under 20 books, and I still ended up buying like 23 books when I went to the store. It's a lot of comics. Did you count the page .1 issue three times? I should have. Fucking $6 for that. I don't need to see Jeff Loeb write the word epic fail, by the way, either. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to see that go away from yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. everything. Everything, but comics in particular. Almost, almost all of that yeah, just language can that. go. Yeah, we're done. I can has no. No, you may not. <laughs> Stop it. Actually, you're guaranteeing Squeeze. you're not going to get up. that. Yes. You just shut up. <laughs> all right, so until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Josh.